Support for this program is provided by Chevron. This is Politico Energy. I'm Nirmal Malaykul. Yeah, that's right. I'm not your usual host, Josh Siegel. Josh has been doing some pretty interesting reporting recently, so he's actually our guest for today. Yeah, I forgot what it's like to be on the hot seat. This is uh, going to be intense, but I'm ready. Totally. So, Josh, what's your big insight? So most of the House progressives I spoke with told me they'd be willing to accept policies that boost fossil fuels in the short term in order to win mansion support for a party line climate change and social spending bill to help salvage their agenda ahead of the midterm elections. Today, Josh and I talk about what House progressives are willing to accept in exchange for large investments to fight climate change, where they are drawing the line, and the timeline of these discussions. It's Tuesday, April 5th. So, Josh, you have this story out about House progressives, and they say they may be more willing to accept policies that boost fossil fuels in order to get Senator Joe Manchin's support and pass a major climate and social spending package, what's changed their mind? What's changed their stance? So what's changed their mind is that voters' frustration with high energy prices is really coming through. And we're seeing that in the poll numbers that have affected President Biden. And of course, that trickles down to Democrats. And of course, a huge part of that is Russia's invasion of Ukraine. So That has really elevated the issue of energy prices. And so you're seeing even liberals themselves not only saying that they're willing to work with Senator Manchin, but they're individually, actually, some of them are pushing their own ideas that would effectively boost fossil fuel production and emissions in the short term, such as providing rebates to people to afford gas. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting place for the progressives to be right now, but it's the reality. Got it. And can you talk about the specific policies that House progressives are willing to accept now compared to when the Build Back Better legislation was passed by the House? Yeah, so there is some hypothetical nature to a lot of this reporting because there isn't, to be clear, there is no formal proposal out here. There's no explicit demands that Manchin has made. And you know, in recent days, he has indicated he's having discussions or he'd like to have a discussion on reconciliation, but he hasn't said these specific policies on the fossil fuel side have to happen. But some of the ideas that he's kind of put out on its own, he's called for faster approvals of LNG export projects. He's called for new lease sales in the Gulf of Mexico for oil and gas. So broadly, you're seeing progressives I spoke with said, these are things we we can deal with and, and potentially work with Manchin on. What's interesting is those things aren't going to be in a deal per se, because they're outside of Congress's purview. So a lot of this is kind of, from Manchin's perspective, he's saying, hey, Biden administration, I I want you to do this stuff. And so Democrats and progressives I spoke with said, well, if the administration do some of that, then you would think that would make Manchin, you know, look more favorably upon advancing a clean energy package that they want to advance. So we've been talking about where House progressives are willing to accept some of Manchin's demands, but where are they looking to draw a line? Yeah, so I did talk with a few progressives who were not as gung-ho about 
doing whatever Manchin wants. I mean, clearly Manchin is, is setting the terms because he's the holdout vote. But you had, for example, Representative Jayapal, who's the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Her point is, if, if it's anything that kind of impedes the transition in the long term to cleaner energy or kind of gets the U.S. off that track, then she wouldn't be a fan. Not a ton of specifics on that. Jared Huffman, he's a Democrat out of California, was a little bit more specific. He was like, just because we want to pass something doesn't mean that I'm just going to do a a whole bunch of pro-fossil fuel things. And he mentioned some provisions in the bipartisan infrastructure law that he didn't like, that he felt like he was conceding on. So yeah, I mean, that's some of it. Still, the consensus from the progressives I talked with was some of this stuff they view as kind of on the edges, and, and they think the clean energy incentives that would be in reconciliation would be more powerful in the marketplace. That's what Representative Sean Caston told me. That was his language. You know, the, These tax incentives are a, a bigger deal than whatever we do. We might have to do on fossil fuels. And we know that the broader context for these conversations is that Democrats are starting to shift their attention to passing a major climate and social spending package with Memorial Day as a deadline. How achievable is that goal? Yeah, so my colleague Burgess Everett talked to a number of Senate Democrats who were very upfront in there saying, you know, Tim Kaine, who's close to Manchin, said we need to do this before Memorial Day or you're not going to do it at all. So there are some Democrats who say that hey, like talks are happening. This is is positive. It's now or never kind of thing. Manchin himself isn't exactly committing. Burgess also talked with some Senate Democrats who were a little bit skeptical that something could come together in an election year with a lot of other things on the more immediate agenda. But yeah, the Democrats overall, you know, with my conversations, Burgesses do seem to think that there is a moment here. There's a window. There's a couple of months here before Memorial Day where you could really see the urgency pick up. Also, the UN's Climate Science Panel came out with a new major report on Monday, and here are some of the major takeaways. One, the world can still avoid the worst consequences of climate change, but emissions need to peak by 2025. Takeaway number two, countries will have to extract carbon dioxide from the atmosphere to keep global warming in check, despite that process having potential environmental side effects and the effectiveness of carbon dioxide removal having varied success. Number three, scientists say that the best way to cut emissions from cars, which account for a huge chunk of emissions, is to put more electric vehicles on the road. Now, with this report, it doesn't single out any country that needs to do better, but China is responsible for almost one-third of annual emissions, meaning Beijing can do more than any other nation to make that goal possible since, under its current plan, its emissions will keep rising until the end of the decade, according to several experts and diplomats consulted by Politico. For more takeaways from this report and more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Nirmal Malaykal, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. 
Because it's only human to help power a brighter future. Learn more at chevron.com slash lowercarbon.